the unofficial lounge with Ashante, Craybon, and Monty. We're here to give you the insight into some of the biggest plays you remember involving the people wearing the stripes. We look at the grit it takes to become an official while exploring the history of officiating with the people who made it. It's more than black and white. On this episode of the Unofficial Lounge, we have Pac-12 umpire, Matt Jordan. Matt talks about the mentors that got him into the Pac-12 on flights to Hawaii, all the way to NFL Europe. But we'll start with a little recruiting. If you learn how to officiate, you, you know, you will never be unemployed. That's the one thing he told me. Is there is always going to be a lead. Matt has some words of wisdom about the company that you keep. The people who are going to tell you the truth are the people you need to get with on the regular. And finally, Matt talks about every official's dream. If we can leave that stadium without anybody knowing that you've been there, you've done your job. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Unofficials Lounge. We are joined by a very special guest today, uh, a guy I can say that's been a mentor to me in my career, kind of got me off to the start in college football along with many others. But Mr. Matt Jordan, Mr. Southern California's own, this gentleman has worked multiple postseason assignments. We're going to have to talk to him about how many Pac-12 championship games he's already worked. I know it's been more than one or two. Also, be a national championship game as well. But from South Bay himself, Mr. Matt Jordan. Welcome to hey, thank you guys, man. I appreciate this opportunity. Um, you know, glad that you guys are doing this. You know, give me a chance to uh, share my story a little bit. Hey, we appreciate that. And that's what we are here for on the unofficial lounge to kind of get to know you a little bit better, get to know your grind and your history. And you've been a part of some big games. So we'll hopefully we we'll get a chance to jump Hold over up, everything. Craig, let me let me say something to my unofficial cousin, Matt. Oh, my. You know what I'm saying? No relation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cousin Matt, no relations. You know hey, what I'm saying? We were we related. We were related some kind of way back in there, man. We'd have to do uh you know, some kind of research, but uh, we carry that last name Jordan, man. And you know, that's a that's, that's a big thing to, to carry around that last name these days. Yeah, that yeah. I, I let my, my niece and nephews know that's my daddy name, so y'all can't mess it up. You know what I'm that's saying? Right. So, that's so, right. That name got blood on it. So, <laughs> so I hear that. I'm actually <laughs> Matthew Jordan the third. So I, uh, you know, it's very special to me to be. I feel honored to actually have the the name Matthew as well as uh, the last name Jordan. So, you know, it's extra special to me. Yes, sir. But you, you're not the first person we want to clarify that we want to make sure that it's not related to Ashante because yeah. that may be difficult to the rest of the world. <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody wants to claim that they are r- related to the angry man Ashante Jordan. Man, my family loved me when they asked for money. You know what I'm saying? I know that's right. <laughs> so, all right, get to it, Matt. How did you start off in officiating? What made you chose, choose this lifestyle? 
You know what? Uh, I started, man, way back. I know you young bucks, but uh, I started way back in 1987 in the city of Carson. I, um, you know, at the time, Chad Brown, who uh, is a relative of mine. Um, oh, that's NFL, you know, Chad Brown. Hey, yeah, the, that's the right. Late, that's the late. NFL umpire Chad Brown, number 31, everybody. That's right. 31. That's number 31. That's number 31. Uh, I think uh, somebody has the number right now, but Chad suggested that, uh, you know, I get into officiating. The one thing that he said, and, and I, I remind people this, I use, use this all the time. If you learn how to officiate, and, you know, primarily, I guess, adult sports uh, official, you will never be unemployed. That's the one thing he told me. He said, there is always going to be a league that you can work out there somewhere, be it basketball, a lot of basketball, you know, obviously a lot of gyms, but you will never be unemployed. Do you always be able to find work somewhere? So, so, so being that uh, Chad Brown was family and your mentor, did you have a choice to work any other position other than umpire getting started? Well, you know, when you first start in high school, um, which is where I started, uh, I actually joined a unit in um, Bill Gopian was a gentleman. You may or may not know that name. He used to sign yeah. uh, community college football. Uh, he was very instrumental in me being the official that I am today. Uh, he actually was the one who told me, look, you need to at least entertain the idea of joining a high school unit, which is what I did. In, I want to say 1987, uh, let's see, somewhere in there, 88. I actually joined a, a LA unit. I didn't work any games. I actually didn't stick with it and uh, didn't really get serious again about officiating and, and officially joined another unit in 1995, 96. That's when I said, you know, I think this is something I really want to pursue and uh, got got serious about um and went for it okay so before before we jump into because you're going on to your 18th year in the pac 12 so let, let's talk about that a little bit you signed up for a high school unit in the 80s it really wasn't what you was doing at that time and then you came back to it years later that's exactly what happened. Um, I was playing uh, baseball in college. You know, I went to Cal State Dominguez Hills and I really loved baseball and wanted to, uh, you know, play in college. So I chased that down and I just didn't feel like I had enough time to uh, do both. So I committed to baseball. And uh, once I saw that, you know, it was pretty much over, which was in 1990, my senior year in college, uh, I played and then I moved on and worked in parks and recreation. I know your original question was, did I work any other position? In high school, they start you off at a headlinesman position. They always teach you how to work the chains. And I actually enjoyed working uh, the headlinesman position. It's, it's, uh, it's changed now. The name is um, politically correct, I believe. Is, is it, I don't know what they headline call it. Judge. Craven, you can headline down, judge. Down judge in the NFL yes. and colleges, headline judge. It's still headlinesman in okay. high school. <laughs> Is it really? Okay. Well, no, they no, they changed it in high school also. They yeah. did. Uh, high school. Well, my unit did also. Oh yeah, okay, my well, unit did. Well, they they will be changing it soon. I can guarantee you, since now that uh, 
you know, not jumping the gun, but I, I, I believe uh, it was reported that the first female official will be working the Super Bowl uh, in a couple yep. of weeks. Yep. And I don't think you'll be calling her a headlinesman. I guarantee you. She's <laughs> so, a down judge. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah yes. Thomas. She, Absolutely. Sarah Thomas. They're, yeah, they're going to, they're going to, if they haven't changed it in your unit, they will soon. So that's the position I learned. You know, I've worked one game in the NCAA under NCAA rules, which, in, you know, is inclusive of community college football uh, at a position other than umpire. And that was headlines, uh, headlinesman in a community college game. Uh, re- really funny story how I got that game and, and, you know, worked it and had a good time working that game. So hold so on. So was that What's was that story? one of those games that you wasn't uh you wasn't prepared to work and they just said, Hey, do you have a uniform ready? And you said yes. <laughs> no, but I, I actually, Craven, I was prepared to work the game. The the story goes like this, you know, at the beginning of the season in community college, you used to get your entire schedule. And you know, you'd fill in games here and there. And I, I was pretty much along in community college where, you know. I had a full schedule. Let's put it that way. And it was when we went to seven, uh, seven officials in community college. And, you know, uh, the reality of that is there aren't really enough. There weren't back then enough officials to really cover seven for the number of games that they had. So, uh, you know, they have you list when you do your application, your primary position, your secondary position and, and so on. And I'll, I always listed headlinesmen as my secondary position. And so I got a game, and it was uh, Mount SAC, Ooh. which which is Ooh, a man. good program. Right. And they were, I, I want to say it was against, uh, you know, Chafee or somebody who else was a pretty good program. Okay. And I, I actually called Rich Colin because it was a Mountain West game. Uh, not Mountain West, a Mission Conference game. And I called him. I said, "Hey, are, are you sure? I just want to make sure this is not a mistake." And he kind of he kind of laughed at me. I said, yeah. I said, "By all means, I will work this game. I am prepared to work this game." But he said, "No, it's no mistake, Matt. You're the headlinesman on that game." So I was excited. So I definitely was prepared to work the game. And I actually had a pass interference call in the game, and uh, you know. Uh, inadvertently called a holding call on the guard in the backfield because I was used to seeing that from the umpire spot and I apologize to the umpire on the game. But, you know, other than that, the game went well, man. It was fun. So, so, so we, we can say, Matt, uh, you will be prepared to work uh, umpire and conference USA since you've thrown past interference before to, you know, the conference USA umpires <laughs> work back judge positions. So you may be prepared to uh, hey, hey, not only the Pac-12, but, you know, the conference USA is ready for hey, you too. He's seen it from a different spot. <laughs> <laughs> we're, yeah. we're not going to – Matt, don't answer that question. Don't entertain that. Don't entertain that. Because we, we good. We good. All right. Gonna, I hey. hear you, man. <laughs> so hold up. You kind of skipped, my, my Matt. My first year – You kind of skipped on us. You started high school yeah. – you, so you were still doing high school in 87 or high school ball because no what happened in in 87 i joined the unit i didn't work and you still in games. college at that time i basically. joined the unit i was i was in college got you chasing down that baseball you know is what i wanted to do I ended up going to texas for a year and playing at a christian college 
in Texas called Jarvis Christian College just because I wanted to play. I was got it an the curveball that got you? To, I, no, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't like any of those other cats. No, I just I, I wanted to play and and you know I just wasn't offered anywhere to go. I, I qualified gotcha. to go to a number of colleges academically out of high school, but. Uh, you know, I, I really wanted to play baseball and, and a friend of mine lived down the street. He had attended Jarvis Christian College and he said, man, if you come here, you'll play. And two days later, I was on the plane, you know, uh, just so happened. My mom had a friend who, you know, uh, knew some people and, you know, my mom's from Texas. So it was easy transition for me. And I went on out there and played, man. So I, I played and came back home and it was a little more expensive than what I wanted to pay. I wanted my parents to pay. So I came back home and walked on to Dominguez Hills and ended up playing baseball there for two years. Uh, and it, it was all during that same time where I was gotcha. officiating. Now, I was still doing some basketball and little things to make some money on the weekends, you know, during the offseason of baseball. But uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't I didn't feel like I was ready to commit to a high school unit unit um and do that yet so didn't didn't do that for another five six years so matt we we asked this question to to all of our guests what made you say yes to football to where you said okay i'm about to commit to refereeing football what made you say yes to football okay as much as i love baseball growing up i was that kid who was a friend of mine, my best friend, and I would sit on his porch when we were 10, 11 years old and play electric football all day. I, I could tell you uh, just about every player, including linemen, on, on many of the football teams, okay? So I, I love the game of football, and I was just attracted to it. I knew eventually I'd get back around. Obviously, I had a cousin at the time who was officiating in the NFL, and I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to pick him up from the airport when he would come back from his games and I'd pick his brain. He'd get tired of me because I'd ask him, say, man, what is it really like being on that field with Barry Sanders? You know, and he would tell me some stories, man. And I just I took it in. And, and, but again, as much as I loved hearing it, I just wasn't ready to commit yet. So um 1996, like I said, when I actually joined the high school unit and, and I knew that I could commit to it, I, I knew it was it was like second nature because I love this game. This, Matt, this foot, football is very different, man. very different. But Matt, was it were you kind of like a, uh, we talked to Anthony Britt? Did Chad show you that uh, game check and that kind of sway you over? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, you know, take this. However you want, it, it's never been about the money for me. Craven will tell you it's not as lucrative as you would think. You know, and, and I we know, uh, man. can attest we, to that. I we well, know. you you guys know it's the most thankless job you can have out there. And every year when you file in your taxes, you realize how uh, expensive it actually is to work this yeah, game. Absolutely. Okay. And so um those I I Honestly, I don't really know how much an NFL official makes. I knew that Chad made pretty good money. <laughs> I did know that, but that's never been the goal for me. You know, Got even you. to this day, even to this day, you know, um, 
I think most guys will tell you that you, you have to love this to do it, man. Uh, if you're chasing it because of the money, it's something that you're not going to be doing very long. I'll tell you that right off. Got you. Absolutely. So when you said 96, so to get to the JUCO, I know PT Patrick Turner told us in order to go to JUCO, you have to write letters. And since, so how did you get that, develop that relationship with Bill Agopian to, for him to recommend you to the JUCO? That's, that's, that's another story in itself because you have mentors, you have people that you trust and you ask people to allow uh, you to put them on their, on your resume. Okay. Cause I always included a list of references uh, along with my applications. That's how I used to be back then. I'm not really sure what the process is now, but we actually had to, to submit an application every year. Um, and so I submitted an application to all the, the normal uh, conferences, the Big Sky, um, you know, Western Athletic Conference, I believe was the name, the Mission Conference, and the Foothill Citrus. Foothill Conference was, those were the three uh, JC conferences that, you know, you wanted to work in. So until I was accepted in there, um, I, I made sure to put the list of references. So Bill Agopian remembered me from 1987. Remember, he was the guy that suggested that I pursue, you know, high school officiating. So he remembered me and believe it or not, we worked the police and fire game. I don't know if you guys remember those games or have been involved in those games um, where, you know, Sometimes you got paid and sometimes you didn't. Most of the time you were. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, hold on. <laughs> now, now, you guys know about that if you if you've worked it, but you did what you needed to do in order to get some snaps. OK, and the police and fire game used to be uh, a league that was played where you could get four or five games. Um, Bill Agopian actually assigned himself to one of the games. Brian Matthew was another one of my mentors who we were assigned a game at East LA college and it was completely pouring rain. Uh, and it was a police and fire game. And B I didn't know at the time, but Bill came to see if he felt I could handle community college football. And we worked uh, together. And like I say, it was in the rain. He, you know, this guy's in the mountain West conference. You know what? He has no need to be working a police and fire game for free in the rain. And he did that and he felt uh, enough of me um, to come out and work that game with me. And I, I, I must have done a good enough job because he gave me six games uh, that that upcoming season. This was in, I want to say, March. And, you know, uh, six months later, I received six games from him, a couple from the foothill. And I, I didn't really start receiving mission conference games until about my fifth year into uh, community college football. So that's how the relationship started with him. Okay. And another one. So going into those all season as you're developing, how was it? Cause I know you, you're saying you're picking up Chad Brown from the airport. So how was it picking his brain to help you get better? Now that you're trying to see what someone take this seriously. So how was that? You know, know one, one, one thing I tell any younger official or up and coming official, because nowadays they're not just young uh, officials. They're guys that are older than me that are just starting. And I give them the same advice. And that is you're going to, you know, if you're good enough, you're going to hear a lot of good job. 
you know, nice job, Matt, you know, uh, you know, good job. Let's, let's go have a beer, all that kind of stuff, whatever you, you had better get that person that's going to tell you the truth. And that person that's going to pick apart what you do. Okay. And then if you're receptive, you're going to learn from that situation. In my case, it happened to be two guys, Brian Matthew, one guy I mentioned, and Chad was the other guy. Um, you know, I, let me fast forward a little bit to where I got invited to work a scrimmage at, at USC at the Coliseum, where, um, you know, it was invitational. And Chad, actually, I drove him to that scrimmage. You know, I used, I used to show for him around whenever I could so he could take a look at me. And this is, you know, uh, seven years into me being serious about this and hearing from my people, hey, great job, man. You did a good job. And I asked guy, man, what do you think I can work on? And, uh, and most of the time they didn't have anything. We went to the Coliseum. I worked the scrimmage and I tell this story uh, that we afterwards, you know, I felt okay about the scrimmage, you know, as I had felt in the past. I got in the car and we didn't leave the Coliseum for an hour because I got cursed out. Okay. <laughs> about, and, and I don't know if you can curse on this podcast or not, but I will tell you exactly what he told me if I'm allowed to sure. say it. Okay. We sat in the car and the very first thing, you know, you're, you sit there and you're quiet because you are just waiting for him to say something. Okay. He, you know, because he's NFL, okay, and everybody's talking to him as we're walking up the tunnel and walking to the car and people are hitting him up and talking to him. So I didn't get a chance until we sat in the car. He sat in the passenger seat and the, and the first thing came out of his mouth was, if I would have known your mechanics were that, I would have got with you a long time ago. Okay. Now, Craven can appreciate that. Because he Ooh. has heard it from Chad oh, and yes. he's heard it from Chuck. Oh, yes. The people who are going to tell you the truth are the people you need to get with on the regular. Okay. And, and you know, Matt, Matt, not to cut you off, but the first person to cut me, cut, uh, to cuss me out on the football field was Brian Matthews uh -huh. at a camp. Yeah, of course. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> He's a guy that you guys need to get on this podcast now. <laughs> right. You probably have to beep, beep, beep out every other word, but <laughs> he's going to run it down to you. He's going to run it down to you. And uh, Chad and I spent about two and a half hours together. He was a little harder on me. I found out afterwards. He admitted this. He says, I was, I was hard on you because I did recognize you had some ability. And I wanted to make sure that you weren't just out there running around doing this and that. So he got on me, but two and a half hours, we, I missed the light. He was getting at me so hard on the way home. We finally drove off an hour later and on the way home, he was chewing me out so much that I didn't even realize it was a green light. And I sat there and he just took it. And then the light turned red again. And <laughs> I didn't even realize <laughs> You ain't hear all, all those horns because in LA that could be a problem. You holding up the light. I'm surprised you didn't get shot. <laughs> you know, when you when you take it in from Chad Brown, you just take it. You forget the horns. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, 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 I witnessed that. Um, 
So that experience that, and like you said, that's what something you, you don't want always to have someone to give you the great advice. You want somebody to give you that constructive criticism. Keep doing what you're doing. Yes, sir. Yeah, that keep yes, doing sir. what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Going to keep you in your mama house. So, yeah. So, Matt, what was the, uh, what, what was the thing, the light that switched on with you that let you know that you could do this? Because you're in your, it's what, 1990 or 2002, roughly. You're at that USC scrimmage. What what's um, the thing that clicked in yourself to let you know you could do it? You know what? Um, I was going to USC practices since 1996, which if you remember, I mentioned that I, I that's when I got into high school. I worked my first varsity game in 96. I only worked one game that year, which is very different than what it is now. Some guys get full schedules as they come in now. So it's different. But in 1996, I was actually going to USC scrimmages, okay? Practices, not to the Coliseum. I would go to the Ooh. stadium. You know, it was you, – or you'd go to their practice field. And uh, I remember how fast it was and saying to myself, I never told anybody this until afterwards, that I just didn't think I would ever be good enough to, to catch up with the speed of the game. Okay, now I'm saying that to answer your question in 2002, which is six years later, I felt comfortable on the field, comfortable enough to officiate not only the speed. Okay, but you're talking about guys, you know, in high school that are six one is a big player back then. Uh, You know, um, you're talking about officiating a team in 2002 that was on the verge of becoming, you know, three years in a row champions and I comfortable enough to with like I say not only the speed but guys that are six seven 350 pounds you know linemen that are faster than me that you know and that's not saying a whole lot I'm not a fast guy but <laughs> these guys <laughs> these these guys were were very fast. they 75 pounds heavier than all of us Right. Yes, that's you, you move your, your movement is quick. You got cat like cat likes quickness from hash to hash. I will give you that. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, you know, that it's, it's it's funny Hold when on. you talk about that, Matt, when it comes to the USC practices, because as I was coming up in the, the ranks, you were assigned to USC practices. So you had me. You gave me the opportunity to go out there many a times and work the why USC that, practices. Matt. I really don't know why you did you know, that. <laughs> part part of that is giving back okay part of it is giving back um part of it too i will tell you this is when a person tells you that they want to do this you want to give them an opportunity if you can you know give them an opportunity to do this so i happened to be in a position where i was assigning some practices and i knew craven was serious you know and and you know, he came recommended by some other individuals as well. Why not give him a chance? That's where you can cut your teeth. You can, you can quote unquote fail and, and it not affect you too much, you know, and, and learn a little bit more about the game. So I, I had an opportunity to assign USC for a few years. Uh, but uh, I also note that you have here that I used to assign flag football. Yeah, and, we we we, we have up. to talk about Slow that. Slow down, Matt. Matt. You, you moving too fast. You moving too fast, Matt. I want to get sorry, back to man. something that they ain't catch up on. 
you said you got one high school varsity game in 96, but you were doing college scrimmages. So by the time, right, hold on. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's go back on that point. By the time, yeah, you, we, he hit the big time button. We ain't got to do it again. But you, you did something like by the time you, the high school game, because you're trying, you, you already adapted to the high school game. You're just trying to get acclimated to the college game. So that rate, that, that achievement alone is impressive. So, like you said, by the time what yeah, 2002 yeah. come around, and you said you seeing these guys, this like you said you was intimidated in what '96. Now you coming around, it's like, hey, I know what to look for. Like, so what? What was that? Um, so what was that mentality like? Like you said, you gain now you you young guy in the room. Now you the seasoned guy in the room, but you still young. So you know, um. First of all, you were hated on a little bit because it got out that I was doing that. In, in 96, I was sneaking into practices, okay? And I say that uh, tongue-in-cheek, okay, because I I knew Brian Matthew, okay? I knew some other people, Royce Cooley, okay? okay. Um, another mentor. Um, those guys were basically sneaking me into those practices. Um you know, it's 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 more difficult now to do it. You know, you have compliance and things like that that get in the way. But back then, Twitter. you could you could go, you could take somebody with you, and it wouldn't cause too much of a problem. Okay, so right. I'd go as 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 often as they would have me. You know, um, and I can remember one day thanking the coach, and this this taught me a big lesson. Okay, I had been to I want to say the coach was. It was Robinson. I remember because I grew up a fan of college football. I grew up a fan of football. So I remember John Robinson when I was growing up being a coach. He came back in the second you know, uh, term as a USC nice. head coach. Yeah. And I remember thanking him. And I had been going to practices twice a week at least for the entire season. Okay. And I remember thanking John Robinson and saying, hey, man, thank you so much for having me out here. And he says, oh, yeah, well, what's your name? And he introduced uh -oh. himself to me. And he did not he did not even realize that I had been out there that much. OK, and, right. and right. later on, later on, you guys know, you guys know if we can leave that stadium without anybody knowing That's that right. you've been there, you've done your job. OK, Absolutely. That's you've right. done your job. And, and I was taught a valuable lesson. At that, you know, when when Robinson talked to me about that, so Matt, when you when you say that though, I don't think um, some of the younger younger officials will understand. When you say you were out there for at least once a week, probably twice mm -hmm. a week, this was back in the day when USC was having officials at every single practice. This wasn't you no know, just yeah. here and there. This was mm -hmm. sixteen weeks mm -hmm. during this. Uh, football season, you know, when it when the summer started, the camp started in summer, all the way through bowl season. This is spring, so we're talking. They probably had officials out there for maybe 80, 90 practices. Yeah, that's that's probably accurate, right? Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I was out there, man, and 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 like I say, I was doing it whenever somebody asked or allowed me to do it. And, and, you know, nowadays it's really different. 
you're right. You know, uh, because of compliance, because of some other coaches, you know, uh, right. other programs in the conference, we're mm -hmm. not allowed to go out there as much as we right. used to be able to. Um, but, you know, took advantage of it when the opportunity was there for me back then. So before before we get a little bit, because you have a great story of getting into the Pac-12 or the Pac-10 when you were hired. But before we jump there, let's let's finish off with your assigning career, even though I know you continue to do it in different ways. But at one point in time, you were assigning flag football games and you had a friend of the show, Chuck Stewart, working for mm -hmm. you, Patrick Turner and Chad Brown. So how was it being that you were just coming up and officiating you had these guys in the league chad brown and, and <laughs> chuck stewart working for you in some what seventh eighth grade flag football that's, game that's how he was getting them scrimmages Craymon. that's right uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right ashanti put it together see <laughs> gotta connect the dots <laughs> follow the money follow the money you talk you're talking about chuck who was in the pack Pac-10 at the time, you know, and then Chad was obviously a relative, my cousin. Um, I got a chance to do SC because of those guys, okay? Uh, but I I work in adult sports in the city of Carson, so I actually have or have had flag football leagues where Chad and Chuck would work. Now, obviously, it would be because these were Sunday leagues. Obviously, these would be there during – the off season. So we're talking about a league that started in February that ran through probably about May, something like that. And uh, Chuck and Chad would come out and work games on Sunday for me. And that's the one thing. That's another lesson, man, that people who are listening to this ought to understand these guys officiated all the time. This is, this is what they love to do. Chuck loved officiating he would come out and work games plus it was a, a a benefit to me because we had some thugs that played in our flag football league okay and chuck knew him <laughs> and he could, he, could, he could control him okay <laughs> he could control him to an extent so i used to love having chuck work some of my games uh because he would he would take care of these guys they wouldn't act a fool while chuck was around let's put it that way but they love to work, man, and, and I love to have them. And, you know, after a few years, they decided that they didn't want to work it anymore. But you're talking about guys that love to officiate, and, and I love to have them there. So, Okay. Nice. Another one was is also because at the time you're, you're saying you're starting your career, your officiating career, did you um, attend the, um, the camp Chad Brown and Chuck had? Absolutely did. The personal touch football camp is what it was called back then. I probably attended the second year. The first year, I'm not even sure of the actual year that it started. If I had to guess, I would say 97, 98, somewhere in there might have been the first year. Uh, they were the first, in my opinion, to have a serious officials camp. And uh, when you went there, you saw you saw NFL guys, man. That's where I first met Tony Carini. Red Cashin would go, obviously Jerry Mark Bright, because uh, Chad worked with um, Mark Bright and Chuck worked with Red Cashin. So you're talking about celebrities in the officiating right. world, you right. know, 
at this camp teaching you fishing, you know, um, college officials as well. I actually uh, received my first game after one of those camps um, from the pack, the pack 10 at the time. So yeah, I, I attended, I was fortunate enough to be able to attend. And one year uh, we had, Chad was so, you know, so popular and not saying Chuck wasn't, it's just, if you look on TV, you'll see the umpire probably more than anybody else on the field. Right. Um, and plus Chad, other than playing, White Hat, but, plus Chad playing in the league. He was kind of one of those first players to transition mm-hmm. to an official as well. Right. Correct. That is correct. It was so popular one year, though, out of the hundred, I want to say we had about 105 or 110 uh, participants in the in the clinic, uh, in the camp. I want to say 45 of them were umpires. And, and I think, <laughs> you know, that's where that I think they started trying to uh, sign people up as crews after that. You know, that that concept came in the in the play. Uh, but I remember, man, we had a ton of umpires to the point where I couldn't really participate uh, in the camp, you know, which was OK to me because I still was like a sponge and listen to everything I heard. I just didn't work on the field. But he had so many people that wanted to be a part of it as an umpire. It was it was it was different seeing Scott, that many. Umpires. Scott Pamper said he got three snaps. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Exactly. <laughs> you know, Matt, and Matt, let me let me ask you a question, Matt, and we, I'm going to tie all this again. How many Pac-12 championship games have you worked, Matt? We didn't even got to him getting into the pack, oh, man. No, no. I, I, just question? listen to me. Listen to me. Matt, how many Pac-12 championship games have you worked? Well, let me let me put it like this. OK, the first the first Pac-12 championship game was in 2011. And you worked it, correct? I, I had, which I had, okay. and and pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, if you have, I've worked it just about every other year. Let's put it that way. Okay, but, Ooh, goodness. Which means, up, which means I work. Whoa. I work four. I work. Okay. I work my fourth Pac-12 championship this year. Okay, so well, two thousand twenty. So four Pac-12 championships. You attended one of the first, let's say, real football camps. And this is kind of going to tie in old school with new school and officiating. I don't see it. Because you don't know. I do. So, Matt, let's tie that all in together. Because in your day coming up, somebody not working all the levels and then going to the Pac-10 when you were hired at the time was kind of unheard of, especially for black officials. Okay, now you went from junior college. I believe you worked a little bit in the Sky Egg Division three. I did. And then you were in the Pac-10, correct? Uh, there's a step in there that I worked for okay. three years. So so let's let's talk about that. So every everybody knows because you had a pretty fast climb. No, let's get that crazy no, 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 question wait. out the way. No, you had no, no. a question. Where your question no. go? Because no, I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> a shot to be quiet. So, Matt, a lot of people nowadays they jump because of camps, and they they mm-hmm. get this exposure because they go to two, three camps, you know, in the off season that didn't exist during your time. So, you made a pretty quick jump in your time from lower level ball 
to Pac-10. How did that work out? How did that transition happen for well, you? You know, it was about an eight-year period, which is still fast. To this right. day, it's fast. Okay. Right. So I went from 1996 high school, one varsity game, to 2003 working in the Pac-10. Okay, which I think I, I want to say if you do the math, it's eight years because you're Hold counting up. 96. Hold on, Matt. Hit that, Monty. Hold up. Well, With no camps. This is what I'm trying to get to everybody. Everybody can get how but, that goes now. But he has but a dis he had a distinct advantage of being tutored, mentored by many, many. And he oh many yeah, he was still in those Pac-12, them USC scrimmages. Though. You know what I'm saying? So, he had a head start. Uh, he had a he had a very very different uh, uh, path. path. Well, won't y'all let the man talk instead of y'all trying to do a form? Y'all noose booty that y'all y'all just mad. So let <laughs> we ain't talk. mad. We just recognize game. Right. <laughs> put some respect on. We keep telling. Right. Put some respect on his name, Craven. This got to do hey. with how how much of a, a of a, a influence and mentor that mentorship has on people's rise. Not about just uh, being. I pay my money. Here no, 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 there. no, no, it, the mentorship. Y'all, y'all missing the whole thing. Yes, it is about mentorship. But Matt decided I'm about to put in this word, and that's what Matt did, and that's what I'm trying to get him to talk about. But y'all just want to be the new boo. Uh, your, your question, your question, your question was eight talk. minutes. My bad, Matt. Your quick, cuz <laughs> your question was eight <laughs> minutes about that. So Matt, let's get into your grind because the respectability of it is. <laughs> that's my point. Because you still going to this camp? Because um, Frank even mentioned up like he was still coming up young in the game. And he he said you were the one for him to let him know he he could do it. So I met Frank. I met Frank at the personal touch football camp. Just just that that will that will uh, connect those two dots. Okay, right. Frank uh, and Frank's a little bit older than me. Okay, so you're talking about a guy who came up to me and asked me, which I wasn't really used to just yet. He says, "Hey man, I want to do this." What do I need to do? And we talked about it. We talked, frankly, you know, no pun intended, about what some things I felt he needed to do and some things that I said, you know what, don't do that. He'll tell you. It's a funny story where there was an individual who was giving instruction at a, at a camp. And I afterwards, Frank came to me and I said, Frank, don't do that. And, and I put it, I was blunt with it because the instruction he was giving was more on a high school level. And I knew Frank wanted to be a college official. Now, Frank is a great official. He has developed into a great official. But you're also talking about somebody who has committed to this game. He truly committed to the profession of officiating and what he does you know and he and he's doggone good at it you know so but in in as far as uh, as far as me my transition was was pretty fast but as Craven has mentioned I committed to it and it it became year-round to me anytime there was absolutely, anything absolutely and like I mentioned it was police and fire okay uh I worked semi-pro games 
you know, uh, where we drove and, and let me backtrack just a little bit. Chad was my mentor. He was one of my mentors, but I will sit here and tell you somebody who you've only heard, you, you know, Cravon knows him, but like I mentioned earlier, Brian Matthew was the guy who beat into me how to be an umpire. Okay. Brian Matthew is responsible for the way that I work to this day. And he's responsible, and I'll share that story with you in a second. He's responsible for helping me with that final step of getting into the pack. Got you. So I at one time, Ashanti, and I know we kind of joke about it. At one time, man, I was on fire. I mean, I couldn't, I was getting calls about advancement. Like it seemed like every other month, somebody else higher was calling me. We want you to come here. And then the next, you know, level up call and say, okay, we want you to come here. So it was pretty fast, man. It was kind of a blur. But and this and this is the old days of the home phone, right? So they called the house. They didn't call the cell. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So you saying two thousand what three? You got that pack, pack eight, pack ten game. Pack ten, pack eight, you, man. Right. You put me in nineteen eighties, man. And right, I'm 10, man. Exactly. You old? <laughs> I'm not I'm that old. <laughs> 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 All right. So how was that experience uh, getting a phone call and then getting ready for that game? Well, but first, what was that step that you well, you let, said you were going to tell us about? What, oh, what my was bad. that? Yeah. What was that? That 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 linchpin that that Tipping that point. Tipping point. That zenith. To to well, you talking about what? When did what, I decide? Well, what did Brian Matthews? You said Brian Matthews. No, you said Brian Matthews had oh, got you that final oh, the story. Step. Okay, yeah, I'll tell that. you the story. Okay, okay. Let me tell you. Bear with me. Okay. okay. Um, like I say, you know, Brian Matthew was a guy who, when I wasn't working community college. On Saturdays, I would take because, you know, we all wanted to make our money. And I knew I knew what Pop Warner football games I was going to work that weekend and try to work my schedule around Brian Matthews college schedule, his JC schedule, so that I could go and pick him up and we would arrive at his junior college game two and a half hours before the game started. OK, so I would drive him around. I would drive him around to his games. OK. So I would pick his brain. We'd go over all this different stuff. Uh, so finally, I'm actually working. You know, Agopian's giving me some games, and I, you know, I got a full, full schedule at this point. Well, I was scheduled to work a game, Pierce, LA Pierce, and LA Valley. Okay. And if you guys know, that game is for like a wooden. Uh, axe or something and la right. pierce was 0 and 10 and la valley was one and nine when we worked this game last game of the season for both of these teams brian told me because i had picked him up and we were on our way to the game and he tells me that there's going to be a gentleman at the game working as white hat that is a good guy to know okay he's a good guy to know uh he um has a lot of input you know, he's in college at the time, working in the Mountain West. So we worked this game, and it, the, the white hat was Jack Wood. 
Jack Wood um, at the time was in the Mountain West. And, you know, on his off weeks, he would work community college games. And so he happened to be the white hat uh, that, you know, for that game. Um, Brian was the headlinesman on the game. I was the umpire. And Brian said, listen, these guys are going to fight, but I need you to get in there and take care of your business. Do what you've been taught. And, you know, mind you, this is four or five years into me working some community college at this point. And uh, one of the things I pride myself on is taking care of the middle of the field, and you know, making sure guys don't fight things like that. Well, this was the hardest game I've ever had to work. I can admit that to this day. Uh, because you're breaking up a fight every other play. The guys, the players were more seem like uh, intent on fighting than they were playing. Yeah, they were one and Well, Brian did, <laughs> Brian did not come in. He, he didn't come in from his headlinesman spot. He let me do my thing. Let's say that. Well, Jack Wood took note of it, okay? He took note of it, told me. Hey, nice job, Matt. You did a great job of taking care of the middle of the field. This game could have gotten out of hand. Now, let's fast forward a year, okay? Let's fast forward, uh, not quite a year, but about nine months. Verl Sorgan, who was the supervisor of officials of the Pac-10 at the, you know, at the time, gave me a game in 2003 after the personal touch football camp. He gave me a scramble week game where, you know, the pack has weeks where we have too many games to assign and not enough officials. That's where you get officials from other conferences uh, to work some of the games. Well, I was one of those officials at the time I was working in the WCFOA was, which was the Western collegiate of uh, football officials association is what it was where we'd get a couple of games each year. It was one double a, we basically assigned game, uh, were responsible for games for Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. One year we had San Luis Obispo and Northridge. Last year, Northridge had their football program. I got a chance to work them. And then next year they folded. So we had a couple of games. Um, so I was in that conference at the time and I got the game in the pack. I worked the game in the pack September the 13th. And that same weekend, one of the officials who was an umpire got injured and decided that he was not going to continue. He told Verl he wasn't going to continue. Verl got on the phone once he got the phone call, because now he's got to replace an umpire in the Pac-10. Okay. Now, back then, you'd get a game in the conference. You didn't go to the clinic. You didn't take a test. You didn't do all the physical assessments they do nowadays so one game i back for one game didn't take you know any kind of clinic test who do you think Verl sorgan calls on that monday when he gets the call that this official is not going to work anymore who do you think he calls jack wood and says tell me a little bit about matt jordan well, only thing Jack Wood knew about Matt Jordan is he controlled the middle of the field. He had a great game with him at L.A. Pearson Valley, which was a tough game. Verl Sorgan gave me nine more games that season, gave me the rest of that guy's schedule. He while he pipped himself? What you saying? He while he pipped himself. <laughs> and it, it's a, there's a funny story 
that I can't remember who told it about an official being asked, what do you think about this kid coming up? And the supervisor that asked him said, you know, he answered it. Hey, I think he's a pretty good official. And then the supervisor said, okay, well, I'm going to put him on your crew. And the, and the official says, oh, no, 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 he's not that good. You know, so <laughs> I don't want him on my crew. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, right. that's not what happened in this case. Jack Wood knew that the opening was on his crew. Jack Wood's, a, you know, he got brought into the conference. I think it was the first time ever the Pac-10 brought in a white hat from another conference as in, as a full-time official. Jack Wood was that official in 2003. So you really have a first-year white hat in the conference and a first-year umpire working um, a Power Five conference, period. Okay? Right. Which, it wasn't Power which, Five back then. You that is Division One. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, there you one, go. Okay. One double A, one A. It was one A back then. Okay. Well, no Power Five. <laughs> Division One. But needless to say, we had a full Pac-10 schedule, man. I'm hold up. Hit the button, man. Did you hit the button? Did you hit the button? Hold up, man. So this man. sounds like, man, you were driving everybody around. Uh, he was Uber. Uber. He was you, you, Uber. You, was, you was Benson. <laughs> Benson, the chauffeur. Now Benson, the turn went to the governor's office. Man, this is awesome. But, 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 hey. but the thing is, though, man, that was the grind back then. It wasn't That's camps. It, it was That's get it. to know your local officials absolutely and show them that you were serious. Yes, it. You and, know, and, Matt. It, it was ben. funny. It is a funny uh, that I learned. Because you go to meetings, Cravon, I tell you, we go to a meeting every other week, every other Wednesday during the season. And we discuss nowadays, we discuss plays from games, rules, things like that. Back then, you know what we used to discuss? And I found this out because I was invited to those meetings. Then now I'm officially, unofficially in the conference. We talked about other officials, local officials, who's ready to step in. Who's next? What do you think? We spent one meeting talking about candidates that were local. So that's how, like Cravon said, that's how it used to be, man. And, uh, you know, sad to say it was a little bit more of who you knew. It was a little bit more of that than, you know, what you knew, you know, or how good you were, you know, um, and I was told right away, I mean, I'm 2003. I don't even know most of these cats that well. And Royce Cooley was in a conference. And Royce just said, just keep your mouth shut <laughs> and just listen. And just listen. And that's Matt, what I did. My Matt, let me, year, let, me, let, did. Let, me, let me ask you a question. So trying to get into the pack in Southern California at that time, what was the meeting that you wanted to get invited to? You always wanted to get invited to Chuck McFerrin's garage. That was the, the our the study garage. sessions. And, you know, those were humbling too. Cravon will tell you because I I remember Cravon went to some. Um, it was humbling because you had guys that I mean, we studied. You know, we started our own study group. It's you know, we still have it now. It's smaller. It's called Royce Royce Cooley. Uh, you know, official study group that we have. But we started it. Royce helped start this, you know, back in 2000 
when we wanted to be better at rules, we decided we were going to do this. And it was predominantly black officials. Judson Howard would leave because Judson was strong on the rules. He still is strong. Royce was pretty strong. And we, we had guys that could give the rules and, and, you know, to us from a different perspective, you know, something where we understood a little bit more. So um, Chuck McFerrin has the study session. And I think Royce got me into it. I was humbled because I thought I was okay on the rules. And these guys would go into the rules and I'm like, what if situations? And I'm like, wow, I got a lot of work to do. You know, but but at that meeting, people people learned who you were as well. They learned, you know, they learned, oh, this this is Craven, you know, Craven Barrett. He's up and coming. You know, he's serious about this and, uh, you know, got a chance to meet some of the guys. Now, Matt, you you've had an amazing career. You was on the fast track when it goes again to the Pac-12 and then it continued on for you. Let, let's, if you don't mind, let's talk about that a little bit. You get into the Pac-12. I mean, and your career is on absolute fire at that, or Pac-10 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you are affiliated with the NFL, NFL. Did you go to NFL Europe? Yes, okay. I did go to NFL Europe. Let me, okay. let me, let me kind of give you a timeline real quick here. Okay. In 2001, I worked arena, arena two. Okay. Arena two is the minor league of arena football. At least it used to be back then. And we worked games in San Diego, Bakersfield, uh, Sacramento. We'd have to drive to all these locations and in Hawaii, except Hawaii. We flew to Hawaii. We, we actually worked minor (laughs) league arena football in Hawaii. We worked two games. It was amazing because you're talking about we actually got to fly to Hawaii. Right. To work. And and work. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was awesome. But that's when things really started happening for me. Um, As I mentioned, I was in the WCFOA. So that kind of was first. And then Arena 2 came calling out of the blue, out of the blue that came calling. And uh, that was fun for a couple of years. And then I got invited to work uh, Arena One, which was the bigger arena on NBC. You know, um, you know, uh, big time players, you know, you're working in the Staples Center in some games. And it was some of the most fun I've ever had as an official. And so I got hired in the pack basically in September of, you know, 2003. About a month later, I got a call to move up to arena one and about two months after that i got an email to join a, a crew in nfl europe and i was on fire fellas i was on fire to say the least and and you and, still uh, signing them flag football games huh that's how i got you yeah. that huh remember Come that on, man <laughs> and on, the week, on the weekends i was still working flag football and basketball and baseball yes sir yes right. sir none of that changed absolutely none, right. of that, <laughs> none of that changed man but yeah i was i was uh i was i was hot man and and you know reality check you know um and one thing that i i i need to make sure i say this um at least anybody who listens to this who's a a younger official or an official who is trying to become a little bit more serious about this. Um, Make sure you've got your home life secure 
and in place. Okay. You, you, you better have that support group. If you have kids, you need to have a support group, a wife, you know, uh, and in this, and you know, in this day and age, a husband who is there for you supporting what you do. Okay. At the time, I really didn't have that. Um, and it, it affected my marriage. And, and ultimately, I was divorced, basically, because of this. So uh, get your home life straight. Um, make sure you share the same dreams with, with that other person. Because I, I'm saying that because uh, in 2004, I was away from home for 32 weekends. Ooh. And that was between working games, you know, arena games, um, NFL Europe games and clinics and, you know, with, with the college, with the college, uh, uh, schedule. So you're talking about 30, 32 out of 52 uh, weeks. Right. I was gone, you know? Yeah. So, so, um, but, but I, I you know, I was loving it. I, I'm sorry. I say it now. It, it affected my marriage. And I got a wonderful wife right now who supports everything that I do and wish I was married to her back then. But um, it, it, it affected my marriage. And, and I was I was loving that travel, though. It, it was great. It was great. Think, so, Matt, Matt, what you said is it's something that like everybody, even Craven told me this, even everybody that you meet that, that you say, if you serious, take make sure your family life is straight, because absolutely, if no one is supportive at home. Because I know Monty has this. He's away from home with the long travel on the weekend that you got to have a supportive family because if once this starts impacting your family life and I've seen guys who were on a cusp, but the family life dictated that, OK, it cut it cur curtail their football aspirations. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is it's something is, is not to be light of. You can have fun on Friday night, but once it started doing Friday, Saturday and Sunday, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Hey, we doing it, too much. It, it is. It's <clears throat> a lot, man. It's a lot. And you have to take all that in consideration. I knew a gentleman. Uh, hope he doesn't mind mentioning his, me mentioning his name. His name was George Ardondo. I, I knew he walked away from the game and he was in Division One. He was in the Mountain West and he walked away from it. He chose his family. He said, you know what? It was affecting too much, taking too much of time away from my family. And I respected him for that. Um, that would have been extremely, extremely difficult for me to do. It would be tough for me to do that now. You know, we try to compartmentalize and, and balance everything that we do to the best of our ability. Um, you know, I deal with a daughter right now that has ADHD and it is a challenge. Let's, let's say that she's 12 and she is a challenge. And my wife is strong, but we have a village that helps Absolutely. out, Absolutely. you know, and, uh, you know, our church gets involved and things like that because, you know, they, they know what I love to do and they support what I do. And my wife does too. And, and I actually, the toughest thing about working this year in the pandemic year is the fact I could take my family with me, um, which I, which I like to do, um, you know, a, a couple of times a year. And uh, so they can experience some of the stuff too. They they make all the Portland trips, right, Mike? 
<laughs> yeah, of course they love to go to that Nike store. We we, we can get to Beaverton. Exactly. Well, but one thing that of of the COVID year, just to speak on that though, has the COVID year with the new virtual uh, meetings and and the uh, has that helped you with the kind of with that compartmentalization of now at least you're at home instead of driving to meetings that you know what in that respect you you can say it did help because we had our meetings via zoom um and uh you didn't you know you had it right there in your house and instead of saying okay we're going to meet on friday at a certain time in the city of your game we had them on sure. thursday before we even left so yeah I, I guess you can look at it and say that 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 helped i'm the rosy guy the around time, here <laughs> I'm always looking but at the, but at the same that, time that means we was more available so you had more zoom meetings more zooms <laughs> I mean he was just at home on a computer yeah <laughs> Shut more, his door, meetings, more meetings and more tests that's <laughs> right that's right so you you talk about Jack Wood and um starting out with him how long did you work with him in the pack you know and, Jack and I were on the same crew I want to say five years together five years we had a good run we had a really good run i i love jack wood to this day and i and i tell him that every time i see him because he didn't have to say what he said about me i mean there were other guys okay i won't mention names but there are a couple other guys they could have easily have taken you know in in the mount west conference they took a flyer on a guy who had been in the WCFOA and worked some Division One AA, like you say, Shanti, it was one AA. It was not the Pac-10, you know. Um, and and he didn't have to say what he said about me. And Jack and I, um, I think we have a great relationship. Appreciate him. But hold up, um, you know you did. You saw so that so, game, yeah. that one game you had though. You had to do good because think about it. That one. You said that the one play that you want your play in game, right? <laughs> that you had. Yeah. You Funny look good story. on that game, right? Chad Mays, you went from the think about it. I'm, I'm pretty sure after that game, you had a conversation with Chad about how I look. I ain't disrespect, um, right? Uh, a little bit, but you, you know, you got to remember he was uh, he was into the NFL stuff. Our season's the same time. So, right. Okay. He didn't, he didn't watch the game. I had Stanford San Jose which they had about 30,000 people. Nobody was watching that game at home. It was, uh, you know, it wasn't a big game. Stanford was not great back then. Um, but I had that game. And real real quick, funny story about that. I learned uh, some humility and, and a little bit of uh, getting humbled after that game as well because I had a call in that game that I looked around and no one else made which it was a tight end caught a pass over the middle, about 10 yards, uh, actually more than that, maybe about 20 yards. And here I am spinning like I'm taught to do as an umpire, seeing this catch. And I had him with one knee down on the ground when he made the catch. He popped up, starts running, and I blew it dead. Okay? No! <laughs> I had 30,000 no. people, 30, people booing me, which is okay. Which is okay. Before a replay. This is before replay, 2003, yeah, right. remember, okay? Yeah. And uh, after the game, this is what got me. And, and coincidentally, Bill Lagopian was on that game too because it was a scramble week game. Bill Lagopian was a deep side official on that game. 
So um, after the game, you, you used to be a supervisor came in after every game and you would talk about, he would give you a number of plays. Remember we didn't have huddle and we didn't have, you know, this, what do they have? The something 360. Yeah. None of that stuff. If you got uh, the VHS to your game the next week, you were lucky. Okay. And then it just so happened that if your game was actually on TV, you could record it on the VHS at home. You can go home and watch it. But so we had this game and the next, or after the game, we're sitting in the locker room and they're going around the room with the supervisor. And this is where I found out that division one officials didn't care. Okay. <laughs> they, Basically, he comes to me, you know, he it was it was towards the end of the game. So he asked me, the supervisor asked me, he says, Hey, so tell me what you saw on this play. Okay. What you got? What you got? I told him exactly what I saw. <laughs> he goes around the room asking guys, and some guys were like, you know, I didn't really get a good look at it, wasn't really sure. Well, I had three guys, happened to be the last three guys he asked, they were like, nah, I think he, he got it wrong. I think he was up. <laughs> straight up to the supervisor right in the room and i'm sitting there like dang i'm sitting there biting <laughs> wow. my lip saying damn this guy's a cutthroat i i to me i thought it was cutthroat okay but when the film came back mj was on the scene mj had it right so i i didn't back down i knew i felt what i had was right so i made the call and it turned out that it was right. So, you know, that you actually go. happened in that game. And when Verl called me to offer me the rest of the schedule, I was talking about that play and, and, and slapped myself in the back of the head and said, shut up talking about that play because you're going to talk yourself right out of the damn conference before you can get these other games. <laughs> and, and, and the funny part about it is it turns out Verl hadn't even – I mean, he literally said it. I, I spoke about 20 seconds I'm doing with you guys now about that play. And I said, oh, I felt okay. Almost ready to make excuses because I hadn't seen the play yet. But then I stopped myself. I said, wait a minute, shut up. You're saying too much. Verl got on. He says, okay, well, I don't even know the play you're talking about, Matt. I haven't reviewed the film and I don't plan to because we got to move on the next week. Wow. Those were his exact words. And, he never saw it, but you know I knew that we had it right when we saw it the next week. So, um, hey, hey, cause you you knew them three names that you want that that that, that talk bad about you, huh? So from from here on out, you had to let them know whenever you worked the game that you knew what you was doing, right? You you had I you, get right every chance I get, I tear them up. Now I'm gonna take. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, no, that's part man. of that joy. <laughs> no, 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 man, no. no man. It, let, let's talk about it because you had a uh, – your career, it continues on. It's not like it's even stopped whatsoever, and I think that's one thing I, I love about you. I still think you're the best official uh, umpire that I know of uh, in the United States. I, anybody asks me if there's – if you want to umpire, 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 umpire east of the Mississippi, umpire. east of the right. Pacific it's, Ocean. It's Matt Jordan, <laughs> no question. Now you are on the fast track, and if you don't mind us talking about it, but we're trying to move on from. I mean, you're working NFL Europe. You're, mm -hmm. you know, on the scene quickly at the NFL. Yeah, 
at the NFL uh, you know, level. What keeps you going? I mean, because a lot of officials nowadays, because of, I think, the camp world and some other things, if they would still be in the Pac-12 and had the career that you was, they would be disappointed because they hadn't made it to um, the league yet. What, what keeps mm-hmm. you going, man? Let me let me let me say this, okay? Uh, yes, 2004, I started working in NFL Europe. So I worked in NFL Europe 2004, five, six, and seven. I was Ooh. fortunate enough in June of 2006 to work the World Bowl, okay? Ooh. Which was the championship game. And, uh, what was that at? What was that at? It, it's in Europe, man. It's it was in uh, Frankfurt. Wait, Frankfurt, was it in Frankfurt? Got that passport now, huh? Yeah. Oh, hey. Oh, yeah. Now, Europe was a tremendous experience. You would go to Europe twice a season. Okay, it was about an eight week season, and then they had the World Bowl. You'd go twice a season for eleven days. So you'd leave here on a Thursday, and you'd work a game on Saturday. And then you'd get instruction from some great officials, either NFL supervisors or actual NFL officials. Um, You know, for a couple of days, we watched film. And that's where I realized that these guys see a lot. Okay, Uh, they don't miss much. They don't miss much at all. So we had I had a gentleman named Ron Baines who had a yellow notepad of about 12 pages on our game front and back. Okay. He had that many notes and we spent three hours and I don't think he got through six of the pages. You know, that's how much he had on one game, you know, so I got a lot better just from that. And you, you, like I say, you went twice. So you worked the game on Saturday after landing on basically Friday morning, because you spend 12 hours in the sky um, with the time change. And then you go for a week and you had about three days where you could do some things that you wanted to do. You know, you could do a little traveling, it's but like then Sarah. the next, yeah. Then the next Thursday, I actually have been to so many places because of that experience that I, I tell people I'm so fortunate to have done the things that I've done all because I can throw a flag and blow a whistle. You know, it's amazing. I've been to Paris because of NFL Europe, because we could fly. And it was an hour and a half flight, you know, from where we were. Uh, did that with Walt Coleman, you know, who was in the NFL for a number of years. So um, you'd work the game the next week. You get back into kind of officiating mode and work and then you'd come back home. So you were there 11 times and then you'd go four weeks later again and do the same thing. So I did that. So I worked about. I worked about uh, 16 games in NFL Europe. As a matter of fact, the, the mechanics they use now where you move the umpire to the offensive backfield. Right, right. Uh, we actually did that mechanic my last year in NFL Europe. We wrote a report and gave it to Mike Pereira. And I think that he created the mechanics based on what we did in Europe that year. Um, so, that helped and hurt me a little bit, you know, cause I was, I was moving forward. Um, I may be the answer to a trivia question, which is uh, to name the only official to ever work the world bowl to not make it to the NFL. And that's me, unfortunately, 
you know. Um, and like hey, man, said, the, the jury's still out. Right? You know what I'm saying? You ain't, you ain't well, done. Well, but, well, but Matt, what do you mean that it, that it helps now, you Matt, and it hurts you? What do you, what oh, do you mean by that? Uh, it was them knickers. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny whities. Let, let me let me this. Uh, when that mechanic came about, all I was hearing um, is that when they move, when you move an umpire out of position, um, it, it kind of made sense that they would look for guys that are used to being back there. You know, in college, we're still in the defensive backfield behind the linebackers. Well, wouldn't it make sense for you to hire um, a white hat in college opposed to a umpire? Because the white hats used to being back there and seeing that look and, and that angle. To me, that made made sense. So I thought that at the time that that was going to hurt me because they were going to they were going to hire white hats. They were going to hire guys that were used to being back there. But, you know, there were some other things that went into it. You know, um, my physical condition has not been the best. And I, let me that, that's the wrong thing to say, because I, I pride myself to being in, in con, being conditioned. You know, I, I can run with anybody, but my physical appearance was not always, you know, what what they wanted. Let's put it that way. It's been something that I've dealt with all my life. Um and so I think that hurt my chances of getting into the NFL. That and the fact that they moved that position, uh, I thought it hurt it, you know, because uh, I think they hired some guys and moved some guys from some other positions into the umpire position. Um, and, you know, I, I just felt that that hurt my, my chances. You know, I, I bless you, Ashanti, for saying uh, that the jury's still out. You know, you never know what can happen. Um you know, that dream, I will never give up on that dream until I stop officiating because somebody might come back one day and say, damn, you know, we, we need to give this guy, even though he may only work for three, four years, he needs to be here. You know, you never know. You never know. So to answer your question, uh, Cravon, that what drives me is that you still haven't worked that perfect game yet. Um, and the day that you worked that game, somebody told me that years ago somebody said that to me you the day you work a perfect game is the day you need to retire so um i know i haven't worked a perfect game i know i haven't come close to working a perfect game i still feel like i can get so much better i'm in the process of reinventing myself now you know um i've never started preparing for a season earlier than i've started this year so i look forward to uh, this next season, I, I pray that this pandemic, you know, takes its hands from around our throat and we can kind of get back on to some normalcy in our lives because I am looking forward to the 2021 football season because I know how much better I can be. You know, um, we've got a new supervisor in a position supervisor in the Pac-12 who I am looking forward to working, working with because I, I've always admired him. It's um, Roy Ellison, which he wears number 81 in the NFL. Great umpires, worked two Super Bowls. I cannot wait. This guy came aboard, and the two weeks that he was with us, three weeks, I've already learned so much. So I'm preparing myself now. I, I'm a little anxious, but at the same time, I'm, I'm trying to take it day by day. 
because I'm reinventing myself as an official. I'm look, you know, I want to be better. You know, I really do. I, I, I want to make my crew better and things like that. So that's what drives me to this day. Uh, not getting in NFL was, you know, has been, it was disappointing. Um, you know, but I want to work those national championship games too. You know, they're still out there, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal thing. So hold up, cuz I got this one. Cause, um, you, you, you told us about this interesting interview that you had in 2005, you know, uh-huh. so you're doing this grind in the NFL Europe and you said you got this call to go to New York. So how did mm-hmm. that go? Man, New York. And remember, remember, this is the kid that sat on the porch with his buddy and played electric football for hours upon hours, hours. The kids don't know what that is. That ain't a video game. That's an electric table that vibrated. I don't know how you kept scoring that, but (laughs) it was an electric table that just vibrated. It vibrated, (laughs) man. And, you know, the guys would fall down. I got three electric football games now, and that is no joke. I have them now in my, well, they're in my shed. I collect them, but I, I love that game. So, I mean, I had a chance to go to New York in January 2005 to interview. And as I walked to the NFL office, I, the first person I saw was Mike Haynes. Mike Haynes used to Ooh. play for the, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I want to say he used to wear number 22. Hit I think man. he played on the opposite side of Lester Hayes. Okay. okay, you guys might be too young for that. I'm not sure, but I saw this guy wearing a trench that's what, coat. That's what YouTube is for for us, man. That's what YouTube is for. <laughs> hey, these were, you know, these are guys that I, I knew, man. I mean, uh, it was surreal to me when I saw that guy because I said to myself, you know, damn, I'm about to walk into the NFL office. Man, I was on cloud nine. You know, and, and uh, going into that office and, you know, you're prepared for an interview, um, you, you know, you hope you do well, but you sit in front of guys that just throw questions at you. It's just like a typical interview. Yeah, there goes Mike Haynes. I, I got the right number, number 22, didn't I? Yes, sir. Uh, you know, um, but it was very interesting. And I think the thing that I told you was interesting to me. And just like now, you know, you don't get a chance to talk about yourself much. Part of that process involved you doing a psychological evaluation, which they sent you a hundred questions of the strangest questions you will ever think about. Okay. And then you answered them and it took forever for you to go through each hundred answers. They turned around the next week and sent you 300. Oh goodness. And it was like, wow. what the heck is going on? And they were the weirdest questions in the world, you know? So, that was kind of the process. And then I flew to, before I flew to New York for the interview, I actually flew in for uh, more of a psychological evaluation. And I got a chance to talk about myself and four hours passed. And I was shocked. I was shocked, you know, that fast that you could go through all that and all that time passed. But, you know, going into the NFL office was an incredible experience. I appreciate the opportunity. You know, um, I, I I really I wouldn't. The only thing, obviously, I would change is I would, uh, you know, would would hope that I would have done good enough for them to hire me because, you know, I feel like I could be an asset to that league. Um, but uh, that was a great experience, man. I, I'd, I'd do it all over again. 
Nice. So, man, we're going to start wrapping things up, but I have one more question before we go to under review. You said you're excited about this offseason and prepping for it. So what is going to be your offseason preparation that now we're all moving into the offseason? What's going to be your offseason preparation this year to get ready for the 2021 season? Well, one of the things that I've realized myself that I've told other people, and I didn't, I wasn't really listening to myself, is when I was, the year that I was away, and this this was like this for a few years, the year that I was away from home for 32 weekends, you have to understand I was working arena football, I was working NFL Europe, and I was working a Pac-12, a Pac-10 at the time, which meant I was learning three rule books, okay? That made me right. a better official because I had to get in the rules. Sure. I had to know the differences. And I, I remember telling about three people that same thing this this past season. And so I said to myself, you know what? That's kind of hypocritical. I can turn around and be uh, a good official and just dedicate myself a little bit more. So in the rule book. So I will be in the rule book a little bit more. But at the same time, I am... Uh, you know, I, I never stopped going to the gym and I used to take off a couple of months and do things like that. I might have had uh, I might have had a couple of weeks where I didn't care what I ate. I never got on a scale. None of that stuff. Well, that that that's kind of changed. I've, I've made a lifestyle change where I'm trying to get fit for life and not just fit for football. And so that, that's one of the good things. For me. Uh, I got one. You know what I'm saying? You talked about growing being an L.A. kid. So how was it when you had that first game in the Coliseum? Real quick. I know we're wrapping it up. But I, I spoke to another gentleman who asked me out of the blue back in when it, the early 2000s before I got in the pack. And they asked, well, how come you want to be a Division One official? Why do you want to get into Division One? And I swear to you, this was my answer. And I will not back down off of this. I want to get in front of 75,000 people throw a flag and have them all boo me, but know that I was absolutely right. And that, <laughs> that's something I, that I always wanted to do. And the first game I worked in the Coliseum, that happened. Right, there you go. Everybody in the Coliseum booed me just because I called a holding call and it called back a touchdown. So, you know, it that, happens. that actually happened. So. It happened. All right, so Mr. Jordan, uh, fantastic, fantastic interview. Uh, we're gonna move to a section. It's a little game we play. Uh, it's a little thing uh, sponsored by Windmill X. Uh, get all your cryptocurrency needs on the Central. It's not Coast. an official sponsor. Our unofficial sponsor. Uh, so we're gonna go through a couple little questions, uh, just off the top of your head. Uh, shoot me an answer. All right. Okay. Okay. All right, Matt. What career accomplishment has made you the most proud? Probably dealing with a daughter that I love very much. Okay. Uh, now, I know this is not official officiating, but who has ADHD, who actually had, I adopted her with my first wife from the age of one year old and having to deal with her and the struggles that she deals with every single day and being able to balance that with this officiating. I think that that's an accomplishment in itself. It's not, it's by no means over because she is 
she has challenges. And uh, I think that's an accomplishment for me and my family, actually. Now, you want me to answer that from the career? No, nope. nope, that is perfect. Okay. Nope. Move on. Nope. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. You know, back in the 70s, Matt, it was called a um, sleeper hole. <laughs> Leap hole. <laughs> what? Yeah, discipline. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't no, a, a, no attention deficit back then. It was just, you. it was a sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really happy for yeah. you. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> That's enough out of you. All right, Matt. What do you think of when you hear the R say the previous play is under review? I used to hate replay when it first came out because I thought it was covering for guys that were not strong officials. I got reversed for the second time in my career this past, and it, I hate to say, I guess reversed. Craven, you might have seen it in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, I call the targeting, but we have been instructed that if it's close to throw the flag. And this was close. And and hell, it, it it only took them like five seconds to reverse the call. I told the replay afterwards, and man, you could at least milked it a little bit to make it seem like I was close to getting it right. <laughs> but but to me, to me, before before I've never, I've always been confident in the calls that I've made. Let's put it that way. And and uh, and I've never feared hearing that. I just used to hate it, but now I'm more. I'm replay friendly now. <laughs> take that. We'll take that. All right. That was the final <laughs> question. Uh, everybody, Matt Jordan, umpire extraordinaire, baby. <laughs> I got, I got, a, I got, a, I got a late one, Matt. Okay, go ahead. So, being that you you evolved, they um added the eight officials. So, has the center judge position changed anything that you have done? You do as an umpire? It has. It really has. Um, the things that I was known for being able to do, as I mentioned earlier, taking care of the middle of the field, I don't have to do as much. Okay. Um, the, 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 you, you know, you talk about being a hash mark, hash mark, or sideline line is what it used to be called for us. That type of official is, is I think, what helped me get into this and you don't have to do those things anymore because you got an extra guy you know who who can deal with uh, the middle of the field a little bit more so that has changed me but there's some things that I want to share at our clinic coming up that I think will help us as umpires and help us as a conference to be better uh, and more efficient uh, running games that I'm going to try to share with our group and uh, I think we've gotten away from just because we have a center judge. So things have changed a little bit. I noticed you wave the, 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 the center judge off a lot when I watch the games. You put that hand up and tell them to stay where you at. The so, only time I know, do right. that is yeah, if I'm if, <laughs> false to be this. Thing. Well, you know, it's no respect or disrespect. It's, I'm only doing that because I know what they're being taught. But one of the things that looks bad on TV is when you two guys on top of each other and yeah. they don't need to be, and I got the ball in my hand, I don't need you coming and me flipping it to you four yards away when I can take it to the spot. So instead, 
I'm trying to prevent him from having to run, you know, uh, 15 yards sure. at an angle to get to the spot when I can just do it and I'm four yards away. So that's actually, Ashanti, one of the things that I'm going to try to propose in our conference to change our mechanic a little bit. I know other conferences do it uh, different than what we do it in the pack. The, 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 if you notice in the national championship game, Marlo uh, Fitzgerald uh, of the Big 12, I don't know how many times he spotted the ball if he did once. You right. know, um, it's just different. Other conferences are different. And I think it's more efficient the way that we do it, actually. Different strokes for different folks. That's it. That's it. Well, well MJ, I want to thank you, first of all, for your time. Uh, we've had an opportunity to do a lot of different interviews. And let me tell you, talking to you reminds us why we're doing this show, because you have a great story, great history. And, hey, only the best is coming for you, my young brother. And uh, hey man. you're still the best hey, umpire I hey know. Y'all. Hey, man. Hey, 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 for when I, it comes to the I NFL, he's still young. <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate the kind words, gentlemen. Much success to you guys. I appreciate what you're doing. And, you know, thank you for listening a little bit to me. You know what I mean? Um, you don't get to talk about yourself and your career that often. And I appreciate the platform and the opportunity you guys are giving me, man. And much success to what you guys are doing. If I can be a part of it in any way, please let me know. And I will, uh, I will do whatever I can. Matt Jordan, everyone. Back 12 On the next episode, we have Pac-12 field judge, Jeff Yock. I, I, you know, Ken... Uh, excuse me. Yeah, Ken Rivera was. He gave me a chance. He took a chance, and I just want to tell that all the listeners, Ken Rivera hired me in 2007. I was 49 years old. So never give up on your dream. You know, you've got that heart, you got that passion in your soul. Never give up on your dream. And like I said, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't easy, but I was. I was, I guess, at the right place at the right time. Stay tuned for future guests like NFL umpire Ruben Fowler. You know, uh, who you know, but I think it's more about who knows you. Thank you for listening to this episode. Remember to please like and subscribe as the unofficial lounge is available on all your podcast streaming outlets, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Anchor. We look forward to you joining us next time in the unofficial lounge.